This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner-nominated Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hacha! This is Isabella and Claire, and you're listening to Joe and Matt on the Two and Nerd Comicast. What are you kids doing? Recording sort intro, Dad. Like Welcome to episode 147 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, January 8th, and there is a ton of it. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. When I'm not ignoring listeners who might be better spoken and possibly more talented than I, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for wordpoint.com. Who'd you ignore? Keith Silver. Poor bastard. And I'm Joe Patrick. You can find me at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not apologizing to listeners for my petulant and jealous co-host, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of the upcoming hit webcomic series, The Untold Tales of the Two-Headed Nerd. Good news. I got fired from the children's book I was drawing, so hey! nothing but time. You're fired. I'm just going to tell everybody you drew a dick into it. In this week's episode, there is no time for almost anything but news, thanks to the Marvel and Image Expo announcements after that. If you're lucky, we'll review 12 of this week's new comics faster than drivers in New York can run down Chris Christie's fat ass during the ludicrous speed round. And finally, it's time for the return of the smartest nerds in the room when we answer one very special lucky listener's question. That's right. It's time again for Ask a Nerd. But he's special and lucky. He is special and lucky. Makes him sound like he barely lived and he's mentally retarded. But before we launch into internet speculation as to whether or not Wonder Woman will be Kryptonian in the next Superman film. No. Let's both take a deep breath. (sighs) Unclench our fists and say out loud together. It's it's only a rumor. rumor. Okay. You feel better? I do. I don't. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. This week, Marvel Comics announced the title of their 2014 event series, Original Sin by Jason Aaron and Mike Diodato. From Newsarama, quote, after the murder of Uatu the Watcher in his home on the moon, it's up to Earth's heroes to find out why he was killed, who killed him, and how they can protect the information he's collected from seeing them all these years. Like... Somebody stole his computer. Watching Mr. Fantastic in the shower. (laughs) The series, which launches in May, will run for eight issues over four months. And will feature the original Nick Fury teaming up with some of Earth's mightiest heroes to solve the murder and protect the secrets of the Marvel Universe. Editor Tom Brevoort told USA Today that the stakes in Original Sin will be much more personal than those in Infinity, cutting to the heart of the Marvel U. Now, Matt, this sounds like fun, but... Can it reach the high points that Infinity did last year? I don't know. I'm happy to see the original Nick Fury's back. Like, yeah. he's just been absent, basically. He's been around, you know. Has he? there. I haven't seen him anywhere for quite some time. Yeah, he's around. I mean, it sounds fun. Jason Aaron's good at what he does. I'm not a big Mike Diodato fan, but I feel like every other issue he does looks pretty good when he's not drawing <laughs> gay porn, you know? What? It seems like everyone he draws in the throes of orgasmic, like ecstasy <laughs> they're all like oh <laughs> wow that sounds cool sounds i fun. mean i liked the idea of a cosmic murder mystery yeah and that's neato you know infinity was like high stakes universe in peril right and that's cool too but you know it can't be that all the time no 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 this is more like murder mystery and i also like. i love the idea that the mar like the heroes have realized oh shit. right this guy does nothing but peep on us yeah and whoever killed him probably knows all of our Somebody stuff. Somebody killed him and took his laptop. Yeah. Oh, craps. In other Marvel news, the publisher announced several new series as a part of their all-new Marvel Now initiative. This We're never going to be able to stop doing this, you realize. This week, along with the return of an old favorite, Mark Wade will wrap up Indestructible Hulk with issue 20 in March and will relaunch the title with veteran artist Mark Bagley. I really like the way he draws the Hulk as simply Hulk with a new number one in April. The duo promises a violent disruption to the Banner slash Hulk's current status quo as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. According to Wade, quote, 
Banner's in a very bad way physically as the series opens up a few hours after the end of the previous one. And you'll be surprised in whose hands his life rests. For the time being, Banner and Hulk will be divided in a way we've never seen before on a long-term basis, and those who are eager to see the Hulk once more be his own character will be very pleased. There was already a huge spoiler about this on the web, and it was like the title of the first story, Who Shot Bruce Banner? Well, it's not, I mean, it's on the cover. It's so not he a got spoiler. Shot. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's a Jerome Pena cover. He got shot. Let me get this out of the way. I hate constant relaunching. I do too. Indestructible Hulk is only going to make it up to number 20. Yeah. That's silly. But I see what Marvel's doing with the, they're trying to keep the books fresh for new readers. I get it. I get that too. And you know, I don't collect anymore. So what do I care? But it's annoying. It sounds like this is going to be a Hulk book. Sure. Yeah. Not a Bruce Banner book. And Indestructible Hulk was arguably more of a Bruce Banner book. Big time. Uh, I love Mark Bagley. I know that we have not always loved some of the things he's done, but like this, he did a variant cover for the first issue of this book that is amazing well when he's not doing team stuff oh man i really like him yeah i think, he, I, I think I, he's gonna I be a good fit for this Hulk. book and it's weird they've never worked together in all this time bigley no. and wade have never worked together. No yeah really yeah huh. danny rand will return to comic stands in april in a new series called iron fist colon the living weapon about damn time written and drawn by spider-man rain creator kare andrews Jeez. Andrews calls the series his love letter to martial arts films without the budget constraints and says that it will touch on Iron Fist's origins in Kun Lun and, quote, where he stands in the universe both spiritually and physically, end quote. They've shown preview art. It looks amazing. The preview art looks very Kari, cool. Kari Andrews is a, a wonderful artist. I'm not so fond of his writing. Spider-Man Reign was that story about old Spidey in the future and Mary Jane got cancer from his uh, spider wiener. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, I really like him as an artist as well. E we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. My hope is that... I feel like Marvel is not going to throw this at him if he can't do the job. Oh, certainly. And Especially with as good as the last Iron Fist series was. Right. Uh, my one concern is that I'd like to see it build on the last Iron Fist series, not ignore it. Yeah. Brewer Baker, Swarzynski, and Fraction, I think, built an amazing universe and basically gave us a real origin for the character, fleshed it out. And no one had done that, so I highly doubt they're going to do that. Here's hoping. Yeah, doubt it. Dupe gets his own five-issue miniseries in April from Peter Milligan and David La Fuente. The series will take place, quote, in the margins, unquote, of the Battle of the Atom crossover and reveal Dupe's secret role in the battle between the past, present, and the future X-Men. Super fun. I love Peter Milligan. I love Dupe. I don't think there's much more to say about it. I, I just David think La it'll Fuente. be a fun time. Yeah, it'll be fun. Awesome. The post-cataclysm future of the Ultimate Universe was revealed when Marvel announced three all-new series set in the wake of Galactus' attack on Earth under the banner of Ultimate Marvel. Now! Any excuse they'll give us. Jesus. Yep, man. <laughs> Miles Morales will remain at the forefront of the Ultimate U when his series is relaunched as Miles Morales, colon, Ultimate Spider-Man by the ongoing creative team of Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez. I'm ha of course, yeah. that book needs to continue. No, so nothing changes. All new Ultimates by Copra creator Michael Fifa. Oh man, that yeah. And artist Amil Carpina. Cool. We'll see the team reborn as a group of teen heroes featuring Miles, Kitty Pride, Bombshell, Cloak and Dagger, and the new Black Widow, formerly Spider Woman, the female clone of Peter Parker. Weird. Ultimate FF will focus on the ultimate version of the Future Foundation featuring Tony Stark, Sue Storm, Sam Wilson, aka the Falcon, and Ultimate Machine Man. And other members of the world's greatest geniuses, one of which happens to be a psychopath. Uh-oh. The series will be written by Joshua Hill Fielkov with art by Mario Guevara. Okay. Speaking to the Associated Press about the current cataclysm hitting the Ultimate U, Bendis said, quote, They're able to win the day, but at great sacrifice, a sacrifice that is so huge that it changes the entire landscape. It creates a place that demands a fresh start from everyone who surveys it. Fielkov called it a chance to reset the board, doing things with these characters that can't be found in the main Marvel Universe. Like killing the Ultimates. Totally. They're killing the Ultimates. Oh, well, yeah. I, Big time. I mean, who knows? Yeah, but Thor's not here. Cap's not here. They're dead. Our buddy Micah 
posted uh, about this story on Facebook saying, okay. why don't they just let it die already? And I kind of agreed I kinda do in too. the moment. I got excited about the ultimate you blowing up. Right. Because the ultimate universe used to be the place you went for continuity free right. versions of these characters. Not anymore. For new readers. Now it's got its own baggage. Yeah. And it's been through so much that it is the opposite of new reader friendly. Yes. However, if they can recapture a purpose for the ultimate line, if they can do what Fielkov said and and make it a place, not necessarily, it's no longer a place for new readers to come in and, and sample these characters. It's now a place where they can tell stories you can't tell in the main Marvel universe. Like killing Captain America familiar, Thor. Yeah, with, like Wolverine's been dead for years. Right. You know? Um, I think that that has some value, and I think that there's enough value in some of the characters, especially Miles, Okay. that if you just shunted him to the main Marvel Universe, he loses something. He ceases to be I, special. I suppose I agree with that. And I, I think these creators they've got lined up are all really cool, and it comes off as like, maybe these are guys that can operate in the Ultimate U in a way that they wouldn't be able to operate so well in the regular Marvel U. Uh, Fielkov has not had a lot of success in the regular Marvel U yet, but he's just, he's only had a couple jobs here and there. Well, he's been writing the Ultimates book for a while. That's true. So he's comfortable there. Uh, Michael Pfeiffer, that yeah, guy that created awesome, Copra. Awesome. What a great snag, Marvel. Yeah. I'm totally impressed. And I will say that all new Ultimates, even though I, I'm tired of, I'm tired of the Ultimates as a title. It's You, you know what I'm tired of? All new. Uh, yes, that's too. Sick of it. Uh, but I think that this like kind of teen hero squad that they've got cooking looks super fun. And so if they can... Uh, oh, so I guess if this revitalization fails... Blow it up. End it. Just yeah. pull the trigger. Just blow it up. Finally, a leaked image from an upcoming issue of all new Marvel. Now! now! Previews magazine confirms the return of... Of Amazing Spider-Man by Dan Slott and Humberto Ramos. The image features a maskless Peter Parker swinging above the city in the original Spider-Man costume, wearing a decidedly non-Doc Ock-like smile. This seems to confirm rumors that the upcoming Goblin Nation arc in Superior Spider-Man may be wrapping up Doc Ock's story. However, those same rumors hint that Superior Spider-Man may somehow continue. What? What? These rumor mongers, they don't know nothing. Spider-Man! I love it. If they do, I don't care. I love it. I don't care what they do. I really don't. I don't care if they turn Spider-Man inside out. It's going to be fun. (laughs) You know? I mean, like, it's just been such a great time, and I just trust the hell out of them. I do, too. I do, too. And I think that it's been a good amount of time, and that there isn't too much farther that this story with Doc Ock as Spidey can go. Right. Something fun to consider is that I'm not 100% up to date on Superior, but it seems like if, like, say the light switch got flipped tomorrow and Peter was back in charge of his own body, his life would not be in oh, a no. great place. Yeah, he's going to have to explain to the midget why he's not into her. You his, know, like, his his relationships would be all screwed. Cutest midget ever, by the way. She's adorable. Anna Maria, man. She's awesome. Little person. I, I apologize. Come on. You've been drinking. I'm torn at the idea that Marvel will somehow try to milk both. I would like Superior Spider-Man to just wrap up. Don't give me a story with Doc Ock continuing on in some sort of cloned body of Spider-Man or something. I don't know what. Yeah. Well, what if he just looks like Peter Parker, but he's a bad guy now? And there's two <sighs> Peter Parkers running around. God, oh, man. New Clone God. Saga. Dan Slott does love the Clone Saga. He's gone on record saying it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I guess we don't know what's going to happen in this no. story. But the bottom line for me is that I, when I saw the image, I got a little excited. Yeah. I was like, oh. No, I did too. And because I think it's just, it's, it's. It's about damn time. Yeah. Not that I haven't loved it. We talked about it in the best of and the listener's right, choice. Right. It's just every story's got an, got to end sometime. The annual Image Expo was held in San Francisco yesterday, and like last year, the publisher announced a staggering array of new books by some of comics' biggest creators. There's nothing to do but to do it. Let's run down all of the announcements from the expo starting with the latest project from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips 
will be closing out their Fatal series with issue 24, and it will immediately by, be followed by The Fade Out, debuting this summer. Brubaker says, quote, The Fade Out is my ultimate noir story. It's a brutal crime story set in the late 40s Hollywood and all spinning around the mysterious death of an up-and-coming starlet. For people who have been waiting for us to return to Criminal, this will be exactly what they're looking for, but on a much more epic scale. Going from studio backlots to the debauchery of the rich and famous, and even stretching back to the horrors of World War II. Plus, Brubaker and Phillips have signed an unprecedented deal with Image Comics. This is according to Image Comics that it's unprecedented. I think it is unprecedented. It, it really is. They have essentially signed a five-year deal with Image Comics to give them free reign. Essentially, for the next five years, whatever Brubaker and Phillips come up with, Image has to print it. That's just nuts. I, they've never done that. They've never done that. Image doesn't sign deals. You come to Image. I don't think any company's ever done anything like that. Oh, I mean, like, no, I think guys have signed deals with people saying, like, look, you're going to write this book for... Right, you know, but to say, whatever. hey... Yeah, whatever you do, we want it. Like, hang out with us for X years, and whatever you come up with, we'll print. Yeah, it's so cool. Well, first of all, not like they haven't proven themselves. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I don't think they're going to start crapping out stuff like, ugh. <laughs> We're in year two, and I'm totally out of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) So Brubaker said, it's like having an overall deal with a movie studio, except we get to greenlight our own projects. Which is such enormous creative freedom. That's amazing. And an enormous uh, display of trust from Image. Yeah, it's amazing. And a great idea. Fade Out's going to be great. I loved Fatal. I love both these guys. I don't care what they do. I'm in. I mean, it's must-buy stuff. Every time they put something out... This is great news. Next, James Robinson and Greg Hinkle decide to go on an adventure and bring back the now public domain Airboy series of 1940s fame. I did not know that. Airboy was being printed in Antarctic before that. So I assume... No, 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 no. Airboy hasn't been published in years. Wrong. Chuck Dixon was just writing Airboy at Antarctic. Oh, re- that's right. It was. You I reviewed, reviewed it. it. Was yeah. it Antarctic? Really? Yeah. But Robinson and Hinkle are not going to be writing a new Airboy series. They're giving us their autobiographical tale of trying to get the rights to Airboy. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks great. There, there's a picture included with them both sitting on a couch, one of them smoking. James Robinson's drinking. in his underwear. There's a big Airboy poster in the background. This looks like a ton of fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And weird as hell. It reminds me, do you remember the series... The Escapists yeah, from Dark Horse. Yeah. It was a spinoff of sorts of the Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. It was a, yeah, one of the characters from the-, uh, the Well, it was like the grandson yeah. of one of the creators of The Escapist, Cavalier or Clay, I don't remember which one. And he like inherited the rights to The Escapist. Yeah. And he and his best friend try to make a comic book and bring the character back after decades of yeah. obscurity. And this is what that sounds like. But with a much more like kind of dark comedy. Yeah, with more of like an American Splendor tone to it, I think. I think this sounds amazing. I think it sounds really cool. I think Image Comics is probably the only kind of place you could put something like (laughs) this out. In fact, I was more excited to hear that it was going to be this than I was when I thought, oh, they're just bringing back Airborne. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, Kyle Higgins of Nightwing fame and Alex Siegel, artist of... Uh, according to this press release, Captain America and Avengers. Yeah. No, I'm oh, sorry. I recognize Alex, I, that name. Alec, I've never heard of you. Will be bringing a new series to image called Cowl. That's C period. O period. W period. L period. Starting this May. Cowl takes place in 1960s Chicago in a time when the once celebrated superhero labor union, Cowl, struggles to maintain their public image and regain their confidence, the confidence of the people. So it's kind of a Jimmy Hoffa meets. Yeah, it's like a superhero. It's like super, uh, like capes. Yeah, it was about a company of work for hire superheroes that yes. got assigned different jobs. I see. I love this kind of stuff. I think it's or it's just like too. A, kind of a, a twist on superheroes. Right. It's not just dudes crime fighting. It's- and it's kind of historical. It takes place in the '60s, which is fun. This is from the press release I'm reading here. The concept for Cal has been marinating with Higgins for quite some time. Its first appearance was in the col- in his college film, The League. As someone who loves history, comics, and crime fiction, 1960s Chicago was always a perfect era for Cowell. In fact, 
It's what got me to take the idea of organized superheroes seriously, said Higgins. Between the politics and labor unions in Chicago and the rise of Marvel Comics, the early 60s are one of my favorite periods in American history. And they go on to say, the artist Rice goes on to say, oh, Siegel and Rice go on uh, to Rod say. Rod Rice is the anchor, yeah. Yeah, that they played around with stuff like 80s graphic novels, noir, and 60s illustration to create a really fun look to this book. And the image that comes with it is very cool. Yeah, it, it's it's very you know minimalist. It, it looks a lot like uh, Darwin Cook's Parker. By the way, Cowell, Chicago Organized Workers League. Love it. There you go. This sounds like fun. I'm in. I'm in. Everyone's favorite, Kelly Sue DeConnick and artist Valentine DeLandro, uh, you may know him from X Factor, are bringing the women in prison trope to outer space in a new series called Bitch Planet. I love the name. <laughs> I think it is awesome. Straight up there with Bitch Hunter. <laughs> Happy birthday, bitches! <laughs> <laughs> from the press release, sure to be a campy, kick-ass adventure, Bitch Planet is the story of five leading ladies ready to bust out of their prison cells. DeConnick admitted the tricky dilemma she set up for herself in wanting to work with the women in prison trope, but still honor feminism. <laughs> I have a profound and abiding love for exploitation films, but as a feminist, I also find many, if not most of them, deeply problematic for reasons that are both obvious and that I can't expound on without signing, sounding like an academic paper. These are two wildly mixed feelings, and I love mixed feelings. It happens that mixed feelings are the perfect soil composition for fiction totally love it this uh oh the poster is awesome it's this lady in handcuffs just flipping off uh the planet in the distance <laughs> and it says girl gangs caged and enraged yeah this sounds like just too much fun there's some controversy suddenly because there always has to be alex DeCampi, who is the current writer of the grindhouse series okay for dark horse uh is getting a little up in arms about the fact that she just got done publishing a two-issue women in prison in space story in Grindhouse. Oh, she did. Yeah, and yeah, the finale just came out like uh, last week. When they announced this yesterday, she went online and went, uh, yo, I just did this. What the hell? Mm. Let's wait and see. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, been more than one women in prison movie. Listen, I sympathize. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of superhero movies, uh, superhero comics, but nobody says, Hey, I just got done doing a superhero comic. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, Deep impact Armageddon. These things happen. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, volcano Dante's peak, you know, I find, <laughs> it, I, I find it hard to believe that Kelly Sue, is just going to outright steal someone else's idea. Now, that said, I do understand why DeCampi might be like, hey. <laughs> right. How <laughs> come she's getting all the attention when yeah, I just yeah. did this exact same thing? Yeah. No, certainly. And look, Grindhouse is good. Buy that too. It's fun. By all means. Grindhouse is a lot of fun. If you are into that sort of exploitation type story, get it. It's good. Yeah, definitely. One of my favorite. Bits of news out of the Image Expo. Casanova Quinn returns. Matt Fraction, Fabio Moon, and Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba team up with Michael, Michael Chabon. Oh my God. What? This time they're teaming we just up. just read this. Yeah, I was like, release. I'm looking at the press release going, holy <laughs> teaming up with a Pulitzer Prize winning author, Michael Chabon, to continue the series. That is so cool. Michael <laughs> Chaboni. <laughs> Casanova is back in volume four, which, like the other ones, has a really hard name to pronounce. I'm going to say Acedia. A-C-E-D-I-A. Acedia. I like it, yeah. Casanova escaped the complicated and stressful life of dimension-hopping, identity-shifting, sexually voracious killing machine, and we last saw him wandering out of the wreckage of a UFO that landed in the Hollywood Hills. It's our Los Angeles. It's our Earth. And he remembers absolutely nothing of his past. This sounds so cool. Awesome. I love Casanova. It is one of the most interesting and cool comics on the market. Yeah, Casanova is amazing. The art is incredible. The story is just completely insane. There are no rules, and it is too much fun. I can't wait for this to come back. Fraction is saying that there has literally never been a better jumping on point for new readers. So if you never read it, check it out. But don't just jump on with number four. You might be able to read it and be fine. But listen, read Casanova volume one, two, and three. They're awesome. But if you do want to pick this up, quote, our main character has no idea what's happened in the other Casanova books either. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is great news. Next up is Brandon Graham's Eight House, 
which Image is describing as a series of science fiction miniseries. In 2014, Brandon Graham will team up with four different creators to bring a series of science fiction fantasy minis set in a world ruled by eight houses to life. The first will be Eight House, Kayum, written by Graham and drawn by, whoa, Xerxo Penalta. Damn. <laughs> and follows a soldier who must project her mind into the body of her dead twin in order to fight monsters on a distant comet. <laughs> Jesus That is high Christ. concept. <laughs> the second is Arclight, written by Graham and featuring art by Marion Churchland, who is awesome. Arclight will bring readers the chilling story of a high-ranking lady of one of the houses who has her mind trapped in a monster's body. She'll soon learn that the monster trapped in her body has taken over her old life in her absence. Again. Brutal bummer. Whoa. <laughs> and the last of the series will be Mirror, written by Emma Rios. So I guess plotted by Graham or overseen by Graham. I guess. And drawn by Huai Lim. Mirror will examine what it means to be human and promises to take readers on an ironic space opera battle between self-absorbed humans intent on their own survival and noble monsters striving to save their worlds. Brandon Graham is a goddamn crazy person. Yeah, I <laughs> think this sounds awesome. And if you are sad that profit is going away or scaling back, whatever the case may be, have no fear. Brandon Graham is not going anywhere. I think it is ending. I think it is turning into a series of minis as well. Oh, okay. I know that after the ongoing wraps up, it will be a mini series next. Okay. So. But yeah, I love that these are all like set in the same world tied to the same hierarchy of houses or whatever. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Sounds really cool. And high concept sci-fi weirdness. Brandon Graham is your guy. Next up, a new aquatic science fiction fantasy epic. I, is there anywhere else in the world that you could print this stuff other than image? <laughs> well, I mean, we have an aquatic science fiction horror epic going on. At I Vertigo. suppose that's true. Writer Rick Remender and artist Greg Tokini team up for Low, a new series of journeys from the depths to the scorched surface of the Earth. This takes place in the distant future after humanity is relocated to radiation-shielded cities below the sea, and the surface of the planet has become a scorched, uninhabitable wasteland. Oh. A probe is returned with information on a possible alternative planet for humans. So it's like Waterworld under the water. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> but it has landed on the Earth's surface. A few brave representatives from the warring human clans venture out to retrieve it, and the hopeful news it bears. Interesting. Remender is a maniac. Tokini is a lunatic. I love Greg Tokini. This is going to be so cool. Oh, man. It's I love gonna, yeah. Greg Tokini. Man, you think black science is nuts. Wait till you dig into this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> wow. The Batman Incorporated team of Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham is back with a new book, Nameless, billed as, quote, the ultimate horror comic. There were no other details <laughs> other than Burnham said he has been researching some of the worst things on the internet. <laughs> Good God. We'll say there's an image of three astronauts with all these like pictures that look like the Nazca lines glowing on them. Like, oh boy. Like one has the Nazca symbol for the sun on his face. Like this is going to be weird. <laughs> well, yeah, it's going to be weird. We know that much. Graham Morrison, baby. Next up. Image announced a new series by writer Joshua Williamson and artist Mike Henderson about a town that breeds serial killers. <laughs> Did you know that more serial killers have been born in Buckaroo, Oregon than any other city in the world? <laughs> it says, Since 1969, Buckaroo, Oregon has been the birthplace for 16 serial killers and FBI criminal profiler Charles Cole aims to uncover why. But just as Cole begins to close in on understanding the truth behind why this small town seems to breed some of the vilest human beings America has ever seen, he goes missing. Yikes! Enter a trusted friend and NSA agent Nicholas Finch, who must race against the clock to find his friend and piece together the rest of the mystery before anyone else gets hurt. Whoa, doctor. This is like they just like sat around and went, okay, who can come up with the craziest idea? Go. <laughs> like, that sounds awesome. Now, I will say this one, more so than the other, sounds like they're pitching a TV idea. Man, it sounds cool. Uh, well, sure. Love Williamson. I don't recognize the other guy's name. Uh, no, I am not familiar with Mike Henderson's 
art. He worked on Masks and Mobsters, Venom, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm not either. Nope. I don't know. But, but I, I like Williamson. I like Williamson a lot. Ghosted, a lot of fun. Sounds like a fun thriller. Tech Jacket, one of Robert Kirkman's first image projects, will return an all-new three-issue digital miniseries written by Joe Keating and drawn by Carrie Randolph. The return of Tech Jacket picks up a bit later than the original run. The original Tech Jacket was largely about Zack having his role as our planet's galactic guardian thrust upon him, fumbling with his new title, unsure of anything he encountered, said Keating. Here, Zack's firmly in his position, perhaps even getting a little too comfortable with it, and finding out that being Earth's defender from what lies beyond is more dangerous than he could ever imagine. Tech Jacket was essentially Robert Kirkman's Green Lantern. Kind of. Yeah. Well, not really. I mean, yeah, he's not like a... He was like a space cop. He was stationed here to protect us and stuff, and he's... Uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of true. Yeah, and he, he wears like a jacket that basically it can... forms all different kinds of Yeah, robotics come out of it and yeah. stuff, guns and stuff. I really liked Tech Jacket when it first came no, out. No, I did too. I did too. The only thing that I'm not going to say upsets me, but I guess I was a little bummed that EJ Sue's not coming back to do this again because he gave the book a really cool look. Yeah, yeah. I like Keatings. Don't get me wrong. Carrie Randolph I really like too. And this probably be fun. And we said we're going to read more digital comics. So here we go. Bill Willingham and Barry Kitson bring magic and mayhem back into the world with Restoration Day. It's billed something like this. On Restoration Day, magic comes back into the world. This is not good news. <laughs> I really like that. Bill Willingham and Barry Kitson reveal that the magic and gods of legend and lore are not just oral history, but real. And now they're back in the forthcoming series, Restoration a millennia ago, a group of some of the more forward-seeing movers and shakers in the world got together and decided to remove magic from our world. They called themselves the Brotherhood of the Cauldron because, in the first stages of their massive project, they would feed captured magical items and beings into a large magic cauldron, which would render them down into their most basic magic essence. So they melted them, which could be then bottled and stored away, much like we store unwanted residue of our nuclear programs. The world settled down into manageable, natural laws that were always the same for everyone. Magic was gone. Until one day something terrible went wrong, and the gods and monsters broke loose. Suddenly, all at once, magic came rushing back into the world! I like Barry Kitson. I like Bill Willingham. This sounds fun. Sounds fun. It's kind of like Hinterkind a little bit. Oh, kind of like Hinterkind. Even kind though like Hinterkind is like post-apocalyptic. Kind of like God is Dead, too, which is going on in Avatar a little bit. I love Barry Kitson. That dude cannot commit to a project. No, he can't. He really can't. And they I, announce him, he draws an issue and a half, yeah, and then gone. he's gone. And yeah. I don't know if it's because he's slow. I don't know what the deal is. Barry Kitson, we love you. Yeah. Just take your time and draw the damn yeah, thing. Yeah, just give us more. It's all we ask. But yeah, I'm into this. Bill Willingham unleashed fun stuff. Joe Keating has another project in the works at Image, this time with artist Layla Del Duca, a new ongoing called... Shudder, which is being described as an urban fantasy adventure. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it takes place in the city? <laughs> Kate Christopher, once the most famous explorer on Earth, an Earth that's far more fantastical than the one we know, filled with demons, gorgons, phantom ninjas, and various other monsters of lore, is forced to return to the adventurous life she left behind when a family secret threatens to destroy everything she spent her life protecting. Yeah, he goes on to say... We were looking at the 21st century, where it's at, where it's going, and considering what the adventurer for its time might be like. What would Indiana Jones be like if created in 2014? That's fun. So she's kind of a Laura Croft meets Indiana Jones. I dig it. Yeah. And the preview art is just like her in New York City or wherever. And it's, you know, like the scene you see in all the movies where hordes of people are all walking through the crosswalk at the same time, staring at their phones or whatever, trying to walk to work. Except all the people are like Gorgons and devils and <laughs> flying harpies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. Craziness. Young Avengers and Phonogram creators Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey reteam for a new series at Image called The Wicked and the Divine. The new ongoing series will feature guest creators and surprise arcs. I don't know how surprise. I wonder what that means. Surprise! It's a story arc with alternate endings that will bring the gods of mythology to life. Twelve gods will be briefly reincarnated in order to perform miracles like superheroes and bask in celebrity fame. But for the first time, there may be a 13th god reincarnated and lucky number 13 is tipping the delicate balance. Yeah, I, really, I read a little bit more about this. It's like these gods are reincarnated for 
as like human beings or or you know or superhero like or whatever right uh for like a only two years like a very short time span and then they have to die and and get reborn as gods huh. and so this whole idea of them kind of like being reincarnated on earth is the story and what happens when it doesn't happen what it doesn't unfold the way it's supposed to it sounds like fun yeah. Kieran Gillen's really good at this stuff you read his journey to mystery or any of his thor or even as Young Avengers, you know that. Jamie McKelvey is fantastic. Yes, Gillen, uh, in the press release, as if superhero-like gods reincarnated isn't enough to draw readers in, Gillen promises a hefty dose of drama and mystery as well. Quote, there'll be a lot of fights, drama, emotions, secrets, and kissing. <laughs> All right. Yeah, smooches. <laughs> That's right up our alley. We love kissing. <laughs> yeah, this looks good. <clears throat> Gillen and McKelvey, they're like a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely trying that out. Those guys work together. You should read it. Lots of mythological stuff I, I in this round. Myself. Speaking of which, Witches with a Y, W-Y-T-C-H-E-S, by Scott Snyder and Jock. And this is going, this, they're billing this as an all-new, ongoing horror series. We'll see if Jock can commit to that. As it turns out, everything you know about witches is wrong. They're much darker, and they're much more horrifying. <laughs> witches takes the mythology of witches to a far creepier, bone-chilling place than readers have dared venture before. Quote, I like taking classic monsters and reimagining them in a fresh, contemporary, and much scarier way, said Snyder. I totally agree. Yeah, uh, Snyder came out and said, this book will make people wonder why they let me write Superman. <laughs> And I am into that. Yeah. I'm not like, I know that I've said on the show that in the realm of horror, like witch stories are not my favorite, but Snyder and Jock, like what's not to like? Sounds like he's going to turn it on its ear here. And like, if you read his severed, that was that image, which if you haven't, you need to, because it was mortifying. Then you should be really excited for this. Mortifying means embarrassing. Mortifying? Yeah. It means embarrassing? Mortifying? I was mortified. It means I was very embarrassed. I, no, I, but mortified means like taking on the aspect of a dead person. Mort. M-O-R-T. Mortified. Angst-ridden. Oh, come on. Dictionary. To cause to experience shame, humiliation, or wounded pride. Humiliate. Huh. Okay. I think you mean it was horrifying. It was horrifying. <laughs> Severed was horrifying. If you didn't read it, you absolutely should. And then you'll be just as excited as I am for this. Yeah. I'm I anytime Scott Snyder says, Hey, I have a new book I want to try, and my best buddy Jock is gonna draw it, I'm paying attention. Oh, right on. And finally Jesus, I can't believe we did it. Nick Spencer is launching not one, not two, but three all new series at Image in 2014 with three different artists. Paradigms is a contemporary fantasy epic with a spy thriller aesthetic with art by Butch Geis. Love him. Love him. Paradigms will explore a world that exists beyond or more specifically behind ours in the shadows where magic is real, warring clans of sorcerers battle for power and the favor of their gods. More Mm. magic, more sorcerers, more gods. Not something I would have pegged Butch Geis for. No. But I'm into it. Yeah, super talented dude. I'm not worried. Cerulean... A sci-fi thriller of dead worlds, lost secrets, and hidden dangers with art by Fraser Irving. Love him. Follows the last survivors of the destruction of Earth as they struggle to rebuild civilization on a distant planet full of its own mysteries. Sounds awesome. I love Fraser Irving. I do too. And in the great beyond with art by Morgan Jeske, who uh, has drawn sex and zero. So good. In the great beyond, a post-life community Values the size of your bank account over morals and values, and your place in the hereafter is determined by it. But then polite society is rocked by the apparent suicide of one of its own. Interesting. Kind of a metaphysical, like... Yeah, I don't know. Whoever has cool. the most gold wins kind of thing. These all sound really weird, really heady, and really beautiful. Yeah, and helmed by some of the most talented people working in comics right now. I don't know that I've ever been more excited for Image Comics than this. Holy crap. Who do they think they are? Seriously. (laughs) Obviously, it's so much to look forward to in the coming year. They are definitely going to be giving the big two a run for their money. Oh, 
Uh, they're going for somebody's market share. I'll tell you that much. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'll let you guess who it is. Their initials are D and C. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> they can have it. Yeah, no. Shit. They're putting out quality like this. They're gonna get my money over DC Comics. I'll tell you that much. That is it for the big news this week. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up at the THN forums, where I would love to hear you make your case for the new Sinestro ongoing series and why it's going to be way more exciting than any of this stuff. Go get them, DC. Huh? Listen, I'm not saying I don't want to read a Sinestro ongoing series. Well, check it out. Who's writing Dale, it? Cullen Bunn, art by Dale Eaglesham. That'll be like Bunn's first DC work, right? Second. He wrote Superman, Batman before the reboot a little bit. Oh. Oh, that's right. Snuck in one more news story, suckers. Hey, every Friday, the internet's favorite voracious news hound, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week on our THN web forum, which you can find by clicking the link at twoheadednerd.com. Joe, what do we ask the listeners this week? It couldn't have been anything else. This week's question, much to the chagrin of Andrea Shockling, what piece of news were you most excited about from the Image Expo? What shock's problem? I don't know. <sighs> Maybe she, she went to the Image Expo with Aaron Myers. They did their little reporting. I don't mean to discount it. They did a good job. <laughs> they did a cute little reporting. No, they did a much better job than we do. Oh, sure. And maybe she's just sick of hearing about it. Who cares? Saying that another show does a better job than we do is not saying much. Uh, no, they, <laughs> I mean, did, really. they did it for a website, not for a show. Okay, I'm just saying. It's not saying much. <laughs> That's true. You can call us and leave a message with your answer using Skype. Our Skype handle is 2 nerd, all one word. It would be easier if you called the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. You got to keep that shit under three minutes, yes, dog. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Or you will get cut off. You can also sign up to get your sleeveless jean jacket by joining the MP3 crew. You can mail your MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Again, three minutes or less. Matt is fickle. If you need more time than that, go to the forums. Write to your heart's content. There is a lot of news this week. If you've been watching the news, then you probably heard old Boss Hog, oh, pardon me, pardon me, Chris Christie, has got a bit of a mean streak when it comes to mayors who don't back him as a candidate. It seems he went and shut down the busiest bridge in New Jersey just to prove a point, and now the New York, New Jersey driving population has declared death race 2014, and Christie's big white butt is the trophy. So join Matt and I in the Mach 1 as we collect points running down Christie's staffers in pursuit of the big guy himself. All while reviewing 12 new comics during this week's extra-sized Ludicrous Speed Round! Ludicrous Speed! Go! Black Widow, number one from Marvel. Nathan Edmondson and Phil Noto kick off another attempt at a Black Widow ongoing, and I think this one might actually stick around a while. Edmondson is a master at telling a good espionage story, and the art by Noto is transcendent. It was beautiful. I really liked this, and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Buy it. Right on. All new X-Factor, number one from Marvel. Peter David is back, this time with the help of Carmine DGND Menico, writing a story about the new corporate super team, X-Factor. Now, we've seen them corporate before. They were working a war. They were government. Yeah, oh, that's right. They were government. Working for Val Cooper yeah. a while ago. But this was fun. It wasn't anything huge. It was a lot of setup. I did really like the art here. Gen DGND Menico kind of reminded me of Larry Stroman a little bit in some parts. Sure. And I love Larry Stroman's X-Factor, man. I bet he loves it when you say his name like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he does. I can't help it. Yeah. It doesn't roll off my tongue. DGN Domenico. Oh, listen to you. You see what I just did? But it was fun. And it's an interesting concept. They, so You know it's going to go bad sooner or later. Gambit has already picked up on it. And Peter David has already made Gambit kind of fun to read. I don't particularly care for Gambit, but I'm giving this a bite. All new Marvel now! Oh! We should do something for point one, too, like, point one! <laughs> From Marvel! This is Marvel's latest point one preview issue, setting up new series for Black Widow, Silver Surfer, Avengers World, Ms. Marvel, Loki, Asian of Asgard, and all new Invaders. Noteworthy for the first glimpses of the slot Allred Silver Surfer and the new Ms. Marvel actually in action, but not exactly essential reading otherwise. There's nothing wrong with it. It's perfectly fine and fun to read. But I don't think you'll be lost without it. Plus, it's kind of pricey. What would the cover price? 
I don't remember, but six? it's at least six or seven dollars. It so it's a skimming. Avengers World number one from Marvel. This is yet another Avengers Monthly, this time written by Hickman and Nick Spencer. World seems to focus more on the Avengers here on Earth rather than in space, and the art by Stefano Caselli is very good. But I don't need another Avengers comic. Now, to be fair, this is taking the place of the second Avengers issue every month. They were doing two a month. Right. Now they're doing one Avengers, one Avengers book. But there's still another Avengers book. I know, but... Regardless, I this know. felt I like... I know, I know. This felt like Hickman's Avengers light, and I'm sorry, but having Madripoor built on Godzilla's head is dumb. You are wrong. It's dumb, and you're cu- this is coming from a guy that loves him some Godzilla. I'm only giving this a skinner. Whatever. Revolutionary War Alpha, also from Marvel. Because you demanded it. It's the return of Marvel UK. I did not demand this. I tried my best to care, but I have no affection for these characters outside of Captain Britain, and I do kind of like Pete Wisdom. I kind of like that head. (laughs) It's competently written. Andy Lanning's in there, so you know it's at least sort of good. The art is okay. I'm not a huge fan of the dude that drew it. He's the guy that also drew uh, the recent Morbius series, Elston. Sorry, I'm bad at this. I'll try the next couple, but this issue didn't really get me excited. It's a skimmit. Fracture Volume 2, number one from Action Lab. Yes, this was Volume 2, and apparently that is very important that you read Volume 1. Otherwise, just like me, you're not going to have the slightest clue what's going on here. This is not a good jumping on point. I can't say that any other way. It's about a character who has fractures in his brain, and because of said fractures, he sometimes becomes a superhero, other times he becomes a supervillain, but he's taking pills to stop it from happening. In the meantime, there's somebody else who looks just like him that may or may not be a clone that is the good guy, and they're afraid the bad guy might be out there. I was totally lost. I I gotta (laughs) give this a leave it. The art's not bad, but I gotta give this a leave it, because it's like you... Why even renumber if it's going to be this hard yeah, to follow? It might as well be Fracture Volume 2, number 37. Yeah, whatever. Young Avengers, number 15, from Marvel. Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey invite their friends to help them wrap up one of the best series to come out of Marvel now. I'm a cranky old man, so I wasn't always hip to their Tumblr generation style of storytelling. But there's no denying that this was a great book that will be missed, and this was a wonderful send-off. Uh, Buy it. Lil Vampy one-shot from Dynamite. I said I'd read this one because I like Art Balthazar. Sure, I hate kids, and I hate kids' comics, but I like Balthazar. Makes no sense. Well, he had nothing to do with this little version of Vampirilla whatsoever. He just did one of the covers. No, he did the little Evil Ernie one, I think. Yeah, he did. He just had nothing to do with this. But I have to say, writer Eric Troutman and artist Agnes Garbowska melted my icy heart. It was cute, and it even had a secondary panther story at the bottom of each page. If I had a little girl, I might give it to her. But uh, the problem is, what if she wants more? Give her Vampirella. The other Vampirella stuff is for perverts too scared to buy real porn comics, which is a problem. Real pornography. <laughs> or real pornography. Or meet a lady. <laughs> It was cute and well executed, but a weird idea, so I'm only giving this a skip. Minimum Wage, number one from Image. I read the first incarnation of Minimum Wage when it was collected about 10 years ago, and I had a hard time relating to Bob Fingerman's semi-autobiographical Slice of Life Tales then. Now that I'm older and more familiar with life's crushing burdens, I still have a hard time (laughs) connecting to this story. It's, It's hard to describe. There's... I like Fingerman's art style, but there's a cadence to his dialogue and his storytelling that I struggle with. I mean, he's got a collection of characters here that talk like nobody on Earth, and if they did, I would hate them. Oh. I know. Okay. I struggled. I struggled with it. However, minimum wage, I think, is important in the scheme of indie comics. I'm happy to see it make a comeback. Skim it. I know it's got its fans. I might just not be one of them. All right, then. The Fox, number three from Archie slash Red Circle. Mark Wade and artist Dean Haspiel continue their wacky story of the Fox. Think Ferris Bueller meets Peter Parker. Here, the Fox has been pulled into a diamond dimension and is trying to help a princess in distress. This is lighthearted fun, really well drawn and paneled by Haspiel. It reminds me of what I used to love about Madman. It's a fun book. I'm saying buy it. Hey, I love the Red Circle characters from Archie. I have no real love for them. I love them. Detective Comics number 27 from DC. Thanks to the new 52 reboot, DC has manufactured an excuse to release an $8 anniversary issue. (laughs) 
Didn't For- they just do 700 not yeah, too we long did. ago? 900. Oh, 900. Fortunately, most of the content in this is pretty decent. Brad Meltzer and Brian Hitch do a modern interpretation of the very first Batman story. Scott Snyder and Sean Murphy deliver an amazing future Batman tale. Plus, John Lehman and Jason Fabok kick off the Gothopia storyline, which is a dumb name. I keep saying Gothopedia every time <laughs> I look at it. Yes, but it looks like it's a lot of fun. I can't call it essential, but it's worth a look. Skim it. Barmaid, number one from Xenoscope. Okay, so bar stands for something. B-A-R. It's a type of gunner, I guess, in World War One, maybe two. Xenoscope goes somewhat historical here with the tale of expatriate rebels living in Manchurian, China in 1932 fighting the Japanese. I'm not making this up. Of course, the bulk of the group are women from all over the globe with big globes of their own. The art was not terrible, but not particularly remarkable either, and the dialogue was a little silly, but also not terrible. I'm not going to leave it. That's a big step up for Xenoscope. Saying skim it. Super Meow! That is your ludicrous speed round, and Super Meow is the sound of video game Lil Pantha shooting her mouth laser as seen in this week's Lil Vampy one-shot from Dynamite. It's goddamn adorable. Normally, this is where we would be hosting the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, and I've got my arms in the air yeah, like I just don't care. They're out. You should see them. But there was too much goddamn news, and we don't have time for that nonsense. So if your pick of the week isn't Miracle Man number one from Marvel Comics, you might as well just quit now. Yeah, whether you're morbidly curious or actually into it, everybody has to read it. Sorry. Before we end this marathon of talking head news... We owe an apology to a good friend of ours. Yeah, we do. Friend of the show. Real talk, you guys. Keith Silva got cut off, sent us an MP3, went out of his way to send an MP3 of his nerd year resolution. Totally didn't make the show. And I think he got a little butthurt, like took it as like, oh, well, maybe my resolution was very good. Good news. He does have a question. Ask a Nerd is where one lucky listener hits us with their comic-related question or trivia, and then Joe Patrick and I do our best to answer that Let's see what Keith Silva has got for the smartest nerds on the whole planet. Hey, Two-Headed Nerd Podcast. It's Keith Silva from the hit Two-Headed Nerd spinoff podcast, The Two-Headed Nerd Answer of the Week, calling in (laughs) with an Ask a Nerd question. Not all of us can shop in an Eisner-nominated LCS, like Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, where I imagine the espresso is served as dark as Matt Bomb's soul, and the conversation is as warm as a Joe Patrick smile. It's true. And where there are variants, aplenty. Each week, Matt claims to write for WorthPoint.com, so maybe he could point his big bomb brain at the issue I've never or seen issues it. of variant covers. Are they a good investment? How can I turn my variant lust into cold hard cash? <laughs> and for the retailer, Joseph, should variants be priced higher? Does the shop pay more for variants or incentive additions? And when are they worth buying, if ever? I love this question because it's something we don't get to talk about a lot. We talk about comics all damn day. We rarely talk about collecting comics. And this is a a good question. Unfortunately, there is no real cut and dried easy answer here. Are variants a good investment? I write a weekly column for worthpoint.com and in it, one of the things I do is an annotated shipping list. Here's everything that's coming out this week. It includes all the variants and what retailers have to do to get those variants. Sometimes they have to order X amount to get one cover, such as a one, hey, you get hey, one for every 10 or something. Save it. That's well, my department. You're going to go into pricing and stuff like that. But in that, we can figure out a fair market value. And what I do is I include a fair market value, which says, look, retailers are going to be ordering a lot of these, so the variant should be relatively inexpensive if you want to pick one up. As far as are they a good investment? Some, yes. Most, no. <laughs> and, and here's how that works. You can extend that to all comic books. It's the, the same answer, no matter what you're collecting, whether it's a one in 2,000 variant or it's just an everyday issue of Superior Spider-Man, for example. Some issues are going to be worth more money. And the only way to know is to watch what's hot. Unfortunately, most of those hot issues are only going to be hot two to three weeks. And from there, you can typically get on eBay and pick stuff up for pretty cheap. Now, I buy variants, but I only buy variants when I really like an artist or it's a really cool variant. I've been into the ghost variants lately 
just because I think they're neat. And I like the idea of what they're doing. I like that they have reached out to shop owners and given them a chance to make a little extra money and be part of a cool program, whatnot. And I think they're cool in your collection as well. It's a different cover. That looks neat. Do I think that my Black Science number one ghost variant is going to put my kids through college? No. But right now, if you wanted to sell it, you could make some pretty good money. The thing of it is, they sort of become what I like to call instant collectibles. It's this idea of rarity that pushes the value of stuff up instantly. We know it's sold out. We look at Diamond and we say, oh, it's gone. This is going to be worth a ton of money. And people start shooting at it on eBay. That doesn't necessarily mean that a comic book is worth $20, $30, $40. It means that people are willing to pay that right now. If you want to know which variants are those variants, you can watch eBay and just see what's happening. That's a perfect place for people to act like jackasses and spend all kinds of money on stuff that probably isn't going to be worth that much money later. If you're smart, most, almost, I would say 90% of these variants wait a little bit. You can pick them up pretty cheap, usually. From a personal perspective, speaking as Joe Patrick, um, I don't care about variants. I don't collect comics, so I'm the wrong person to ask. Right, you're a story guy. I understand that some people do. I also remember the 90s. It was gimmicky crap like this that led to the market crash that almost, (laughs) that put... 2,000 stores out of business and, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs and their, and their livelihoods Yeah, and it's a slippery slope and I don't like it. Right. And there's companies that are definitely walking that side. Dynamite, for example, they put out more comics than Marvel last week and it was all variants. Right. On the weight of variants. Some of which were like only 50 copies made and it costs 75 bucks. I got bad news for you. If you paid 75 bucks for one of those ultra rare covers you're never going to see that money again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just not. Uh, so personally speaking, I'm not fond of the whole idea of variants. I understand the the desire to have a cover that's different that you like. Sure. I even understand collector's mentality and you want something that's a little bit more special. As a retailer, do we pay more for variants? No, not technically, but we do have to order more in order to get them, if that makes sense. Like... If I want to order Superior Spider-Man number 20, I can order however many I want. If I want to order Superior Spider-Man number 20 Lego variant, right. I might have to I can order one of those for every like it was 25 tw- for every 25 regular. Right. So while I still only pay, you know, my my percentage of cover price like I would for a normal comic, I had to order 25 normal comics just to get one. Right. So in no, they're it's yes and no. They are more expensive. Should they be priced higher? It's a way for uh, retailers and, and comic companies to say, here's something a little bit more special that's at a premium. Our policy as a store is to not be assholes for the most part. We try our best. You know, if, if it's a one in 50 variant or a one in 100 variant, we're not going to we're not going to charge you an arm and a leg necessarily for it because we understand that people think it's cool that we had to work a little harder to get it and that it's special. But at the same time, you're probably ordering most of those something like Superior Spider-Man. You're ordering more than 25 copies of that. Anyway. Right. We're going to be able to. Yeah. Some of those we're going to be able to get no matter what we do. That's where the fair market price comes in. That's yes. where you can say, you know what? This doesn't have to be a $25 cover. This could be an $8 cover. Right. I'm going to give you a, a, a for example, our one in 25 variants. I usually price them at $9.99. Unless, I think that's fair. Unless I'm, they're not quite as cool. You write like a Lego variant. Fun for Lego fans, but really. Yeah. And you on, know, I might price that a little lower. And I would say fair market, yeah, like 8 to $10 yeah. is what I usually put for something like that. But, you know, when you have stores that gouge, like one in 100 variant must be 100 bucks. Yeah. No, it, that's not a direct correlation. No. The amount of copies you had to order does not uh, equal the number of dollars you should charge. And you can get on eBay and you can look and see wh- exactly what people are willing to pay for that cover yeah. all over the world. Absolutely. So it's not just a snapshot in one marketplace anymore. I mean, that's not how the world works. On a on a, another note, the variant program and people's, you know, uh, differing levels of willingness to to purchase variants sometimes allows us to take a bigger chance. Right. On a book, for example, Uncanny Avengers, which was the whole Marvel Now kickoff, we had a guy that wanted, huge variant collector, wanted all the variants. His commitment to buy those variants enabled us to take a bigger risk and support that title a little bit more. 
Varying covers can be a good thing for both retailers and collectors, but you have to be smart about it. <clears throat> retailers, if they want to get rid of them and not end up with stacks and stacks and stacks of variants that they're never going to sell, unless they're 90% off, right. they have to be smart about pricing. And you, as a collector, my advice to you is pay the least amount you possibly can. I don't care what variant it is. I don't care how bad you want it. Pay the least amount you can, and don't be afraid to wait a little while. The stuff will be around, sure. and the price will go down. Right. And that's kind of the bottom line. Variants are a, sl- a slippery slope for everyone involved. Yes. Like Matt just said... The worst case scenario is that a retailer takes a chance right. and orders more copies of a book that they're not super confident will sell on the strength of a variant, but then the variant doesn't sell yeah. and they're left with stacks That's of the regular edition. That's a dumb way to edition. do it. That's just a dumb way to do it. Awesome question, Silva. I love it. I love it. We don't get to talk about collecting very often. That was very cool. And- that's just a little example of what you guys can do if you send us an MP3 or call. First ever with, called in Eskiner question. I love it. You can call us at 402-819-4894. I can't believe I just remembered you that. You did it. It's a Ziggurat direct line, and you can ask us your Ask a Nerd question. Or, like I said, try and stump Joe Patrick, comic big brain, sitting right across from me with your comic trivia. Sort of, sort of, break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the almost all news edition of THN. If you're smirking and calling Key Silva Big Baby 2, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher, where you can give the show a star rating, a written review, or a Stitcher thumbs up, and help us to connect with other potential listeners. It really helps you guys, and we appreciate everybody that does it. Thanks to our second sustaining member, Aaron Onkin. And if you'd like to help keep us in petty cash for news tips from the Comics Therapy Gang, you can make your donation in any amount using our gossipy little PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. While you're there, you can find all our contact links, including Twitter, our email, our YouTube channel, our Skype handle, and our direct ziggurat phone number 402-819-4894. You can send slash call us with your Ask a Nerd questions. Or you can defend your questionable nerd taste in our Defenders Forum. Or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, whatever. And don't forget, go sign up for the THN Forums, guys. It's your little virtual piece of the ziggurat. We love to hear what you have to say about the show, about comics, about what you had for lunch, about anything. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the Question of the Week discussion. Normally, we would have you call in using Skype. Or the Ziggurat direct line, 402-819-4894. But because Matt Bomb thinks going to San Francisco to win an award for making salami is more important than his hit podcast. Hungarian salami, to be exact. There will not be an Answer of the Week podcast next week. I'm sorry. So this week's question is internet only. Go to the forums. Go to the Facebook page, because I know some of you are allergic to the forums. We don't care. Who's allergic to the forums? Let's talk. Don't judge them. Let's talk about it. What has you most excited for Image Comics in 2014? Next week, the comic pushers are back, but Joe Patrick seems to think that just because I'm out of town, he doesn't have to rap. So I'm starting a Twitter petition right now to ensure he's forced to rap next week with the hashtag SuckaMC. So get on there. That's S-U-C-K-A-M-C. That just makes it sound like you're saying SuckaMC. Yeah, I like it that way, too. Which is bad grammar. No, I like it, too. Suck a MC. It's different. So get on there, talk some smack, call Joe Patrick out, and make sure he raps. And if you're looking for a new series to read, head over to the THN forums and post what you're into over at the Comic Pushers section. Or, like you said, call us. Send us an MP3. Tell us all about what you want to read. We'll set you up with some new highly addictive comics. If you need more THN in your life, get over to TwoHeadedNerd.com and check out Cousin Chris's Comics on the Rocks, where he's reviewing brown liquor and comic books. And... Another exciting installment of the Credible Hulk's Saturday morning cartoon series where this time he's rapping all about Mighty Max, y'all. I'm giving it the fist right now. We are renaming his blog Cousin Chris's Comics on the Rocks. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Gives it a family feel. Our weekly shout-out goes to Key Silva, who, as you heard, was cut out of the Answer of the Week Nerd Year's Resolution show due to some confusion with our interns. They've all been fired, and it's not going to be a problem again. That's what happens when you don't pay people. So before we go, here is Mr. Silva's Nerd Year Resolution. Hey guys, it's THN's Answer of the Week Varsity starter, Keith Silva here. That said, Happy New Year. My big resolution for 2014 is, when possible to buy more work direct from comics creators. 
I can't get out to too many cons, so this is my way to financially support the artists and writers I read and admire by directly putting money in their pockets or PayPal accounts, as the case may be. Nowadays, most creative people have blogs or Tumblrs or Etsy sites. It does take some work to track them down, but it's another way of supporting creator-owned work. My you-can-wish-in-one-hand-and-in-the-other-and-see-which-one-fills-up-first resolution is to trim my pull list by asking what I can wait to read once it gets collected, preferably in hardcover. Monthly sales make or break a comic, but if the goal is to get that title collected in trade, what can I wait for? Decisions, decisions. Let's hope 2014 brings about some resolutions. That Key Silva, he's like the nerdy Mother Teresa. He even bleeped that for me. I don't have to do that in post. What know, a guy. But you have so many other bleeps to do this oh week. Oh, my God. And you missed a couple last week. I know. I missed one. I missed no, one. No, you missed at least two. Yeah, I like to let a little thing, a little sneak through and see you know, if we can keep the iTunes people on That's why post. we took the clean tag off. <laughs> Word to you, Keith. Sorry about that. Won't be an issue again. And until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer just might kiss you in the mouth for it. This is a two-headed nerd signing off of what has become a two-day recording. Epic. Jesus Epic Christ. in scope. F*** you, Image Expo. F*** you. <laughs>